Second Peter. Take a few minutes to look at what um, God was desiring to communicate to the believers that existed there in the first century through Peter. So in, in first, the book of First Peter, um, it was written, if, if we were to take a look at it, and we're not going to, we're going to stay in Second Peter. If we were to take a look at it, we would see that, that Peter was writing to Jewish believers that were scattered around to different places. If we take a look at the book of Second Peter and start it with verse 1, we're going we're gonna to be looking at chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 11. Um, but I just want to highlight a little bit from the rest of the book first so we kind of have the context of what, what uh, was going on there and why Peter wrote this. But if you take a look at verse 1 there, you will see that it was written to, to all believers, those people that have the same faith that, were, that existed. So it wasn't just to the spread around ones, it was to all believers. It wasn't just to Jewish ones, it was to Gentiles as well. And so that's what's going on here. And Peter uh, wrote this book very much with, a, with a, a mindset and an admonition to remember, to remember things that were, were true. Let me just read chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. It says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and are established in the present truth. Yea, I think it fitting, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath shown me. So Peter was coming to the end of his life. He realized it. Um, if, you, if we looked at it historically, we would see that basically he was waiting to be executed when he wrote this book. It was about a year between when he wrote the first one and the second one. In the first one, the gospel is really clearly presented. And Peter, in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he refers to it, that he's reminding them of those things, and then he's building on this. So these are, he wanted them to remember things that they already knew, things that they should have known. Uh, but he thought, as he was coming to the end of his life, that it was fitting that he would remind them of those things again. And I think that's what we're doing here today. As we read through this, if you've been a believer or if you've ever studied God's word, you're not going to hear something new. We're going to be reminded of things that we know to be true. So the context of what was going on there is um, they, they, he's addressing some things, um, some, some teaching that was creeping in uh, that had the people confused about Jesus' return, about that time that they call the last days. Now, we need to remember, this is about 2,000 years ago, but even though it was 2,000 years ago, they believed firmly that Christ could have returned at any moment, and he could have had he chosen to, but he didn't. So they, they believed it then. So much more now, 2,000 years later, we need to be in tune to this reality that we are living in the last days. There is not any, there's nothing that needs to happen before Jesus could return for his church. Before that, that action that we call the, the rapture, before that could happen, there's nothing left to wait for. And so Peter's reminding them of some of these things. In chapter 2, um, he's reminding them that there were false prophets. There were people there that were, that were teaching things. That some of the, the, the things that they were teaching, um, they were teaching them for their own selfish motivations. Some of those things they were teaching just probably because they believed those things. But the teachings, that they, those heresies that they were teaching were contrary to the things that Jesus had taught them. They were contrary to the things that the Holy Spirit had inspired uh, Peter and Paul and other authors of the, the New Testament to write. They were contrary to things that 
the Old Testament authors had written, but they were heresies, they were false teachers that were seeking for their own selfish motivations and for different reasons to, to swoop in. And um, this morning we were talking about, in the Sunday school, we were talking a little bit about our, our response to the things that are going on in the world around us now. But um, Peter's writing here, let me just read this in, in chapter 2, verse 9. This is a good reminder to us. It says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So Peter was highlighting the fact that these false teachers, they were the unjust ones. But it's, th- these people exist, but God is not short in his ability to reward those that are walking faithfully, but also to reserve that judgment for the unjust. It's not our responsibility, and I just want to remind us of this. We're not going to see it so much in depth here, but it's not our responsibility to be metting out the judgment to those people that need it. God's got that under control. He understands it. He's reserving that, that judgment. And he knows what's going on. He knows how to deliver us from those temptations that, that we're in. He knows, and he knows who those people that are just and those that are unjust. And he's going to deal with those things. And that's encouraging for us. We can rest in that. But that's a reminder that Peter wanted to give to the people that were, that were living there, that were struggling, that were the recipients of the first 11 verses that we're going to look at in a few minutes. Um, Chapter 3, you, you jump ahead, and, and this is, let me just read these first couple of verses of chapter 3. It says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So it's this concept of remembrance again. But in both of the, of First Peter and Second Peter, it's to stir up our minds of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. So it's that reminder again that these are the things that we're gonna, we should be remembering. These are the things that we need to be mindful of. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. And then it goes on. I'm not going to read this so much, but let me just summarize it for us. It goes on to talk about what those scoffers were saying. They were basically saying, uh, if I can put it into more modern terminology, they were saying, Jesus said he was going to return for you. Well, where is he? Nothing has changed. What you're believing isn't true. And notice what the scoffers, they were doubting the very promise that Jesus made right before he died to his disciples. He promised that he was going to come back to them. And these scoffers were denying the fact that that was true. And let me tell you, if, you're, if you haven't noticed it or uh, if you're not paying attention to what's happening in the larger realm of what a lot of people would call Christianity, but in the, the, the religious realm in this country, we have these scoffers that are among us. There are people that will stand up in front of churches and say that the rapture is, is, a, is a theoretical thing. It's not going to happen. There are people that will stand up and, and say, and they try to defend it from God's word. There are people that say, you know, where is he? They're, they're scoffing, but then there's those that come from a more academic uh, background, and they try to use God's word to defend the fact that the, the rapture isn't going to happen. They try to defend, defend beliefs that, that go contrary to what Jesus said when he simply made that promise that if I go, I'll prepare a place, and I will come again for you. And he's talking to, to his disciples there, but this is applicable to the church. And as we take a look at, and we're not going to take a look at it, but if we did take a look at those things, the scripture is really clear that if you recognize the difference between Israel and the church, 
you're going to very clearly realize that the church is not going to be there for the events of the book of Revelation. We're not going to be there. There's so much proof of this. But yet we live in this day when there's scoffers. That's what Peter was writing the first, like this book to those people that were having to deal with this, having to deal with that opposition of saying, uh, you believe in Jesus and he said he would come. Where is he? And Peter reminds them of a couple of really clear things, but um, one of them it, that, that I think we, it behooves us to take a look at is the fact that the reason why Jesus had not yet returned at that point, and it's the same reason why he hasn't returned yet today in 2020, is because he is not willing that any should perish. That shows the very character of God, is that his patience in coming back is because he wants more people, all people, to come to a saving knowledge of him. He knows that all people are not going to in his foreknowledge, but he wants more and more people. Well, that leaves us with a responsibility. If, he, if, if it's God's desire, and the reason why he hasn't sent his son Jesus back to, to rapture the church yet is because he wants more people to come to know him, then what is our responsibility as those that have been given the ministry of reconciliation, as those that are supposed to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ? I'm speaking from the book of Corinthians now, but that's a reality that is ours, that we are supposed to live our lives in a certain way, conduct ourselves in a certain way. And um, so we're left with the responsibility. And he goes on to talk about that, that God's not slack concerning this promise. No, he's waiting, he's being patient. And then there is going to come a time when what we see, this earth is going to be burned up, it's going to be judged, and it's going to be judged according to God's perfect plan for that. And because those things are true, we're left with a question in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 3. And I want to read these, and then we'll jump back to chapter 1. It says, based on the fact uh, that this earth is going to burn up, it's going to, the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night, we don't know the timing of it. It says in verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy living and godliness? Uh, some of your Bibles might say conversation. Anyways, in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God in which the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So we want to know what's going to happen in the end times. It's going to burn up. But we're not going to be experiencing that. But we're left with this question here that Peter is leaving with, with his, the recipients of his book there. It's like, if these things are true, seeing that these things are true, he's declaring them to be true. And we as children of God that believe God's word, we believe them to be true. This is what's going to happen. So since they're true, what manner of persons ought ye to be? Ought we to be in all holy living and godliness? That's the question that, that Peter poses here. And I think it behooves us to ask that same question, especially in this day and age when things are so... I don't feel like they're confusing for us, but things are so mixed up and confused and so opposing and like polar opposites, two different sides that can't come together in agreement. So what do we do with that thing? What manner of people ought we to be in all manner of godliness? And um, I I think in, well, I know I should say that. (laughs) As we take a look at at back to chapter one, um, we're not going to, spend a lot of time here, but just to read through this thing, and then I'll conclude some thoughts. But as we look at this, it gives us the answer to that question of what kind of people we ought to be. So let me just read here, and I'll make a few comments. 
I'll start with verse, chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So it's through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We have been declared righteous because of the very work that Jesus Christ did at Calvary. So it's being written to believers. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. This is a recurring theme here in these 11 verses, is this knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. It's pointing back to them. So really the answer of what manner of people we ought to be is we're to be people that live our lives with our energy source, with our eyes focused on the person of Jesus Christ, on what he has done. And we'll see this more. Okay, verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So it's through the knowledge of him. Who's called us to glory and virtue? It's God through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. For by which are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what manner of people ought we to be? This is a progression here. As we read through it, you know, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge, and it's a building. One thing leads to another to, to another. If we were to look at, um, in the book of James, we could look at Romans chapter 5. We can look at, at the purpose for trials in our lives, the things that happen to us. It's the same progression. It's interesting, if we were to look at the book of Galatians, at the fruits of the Spirit, at, these things are not separate from each other. They're totally intertwined with the fact that those fruits of the Spirit, those things that, that are to be pouring out of us, are things that God enables us to do as we walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Again, Men, we, we looked at that this morning. As we walk in the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit begin to flow out of us, and we begin to practically, in real ways, live out verses like this, that, that these things are, are one thing building to the other, that, that we, ha- we gain knowledge, and from that knowledge, we have more self-control in these situations that may be out of our control. We respond better, and they lead to, go- to godliness and to brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. Again, let me read verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ will be something that bears fruit in our life. If, if we are functioning along these lines. So I ask the question again, what manner of people ought we to be? We ought to be these people that are diligent and that are growing in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes back to the source. It comes back to the source of it. So as, if we're growing in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ... These things will be, be manifested in us and they'll make us that our knowledge will be neither barren nor unfruitful. And isn't that really the goal? That we be fruitful in our lives for Jesus Christ? That the knowledge of Jesus Christ is something that bears fruit in our life versus just be some kind of 
ticket so that we can go to heaven? You know, and it debunks a lot of things. It debunks those arguments like, okay, well, I believe the gospel. What if I'm right and you're wrong? It doesn't hurt you to believe the gospel because just I might be right. No, I'm sorry. That comes up far short of what we're talking about here, guys. We're talking about something way deeper than this. We don't want people to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ just, just in case we're right so they don't be wrong. No, it leads to much more than this. It leads to a fruitful life that we won't be barren and unfruitful in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. These are the realities. So it, it comes as we are diligent. We'll see this there in a second. Nine, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. So it's this diligent gaining of knowledge, of gaining in our, in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've been a believer for a long time, more than 40 years. I was, I was quite young when I got saved. And I'll tell you what, I still have the opportunity to dig into this and learn more about the person of Jesus Christ every single day of my life. Time and time again. And we don't want to be those people that just think we've got the knowledge. We don't want our knowledge to be unfruitful. It's as we dig in, as we're diligent to get to know the person of Jesus Christ. And there's only, the place to, to get that knowledge is by being in his word, by being with believers in places where his word is being spoken, where we're being taught his word. That's the key to this whole thing. And let me just read verse 11 because this, this is just such an encouraging summary to this thought it's like okay it's as we grow in our ability to to we grow in our knowledge of the lord jesus christ as it says um verses two and three we've been given all things through the knowledge of him it's through that knowledge of jesus christ when we as we grow in these things it leads us to this point in verse 11 it says for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ so in New Guinea, we start before the creation of anything, God before creation, and we bring them all the way to the point of what is it that it looks, what it looks like at the end? What is our privilege? Our privilege is that we are going to live forever in the presence of God, God the Father, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We have that now as he indwells us. That can be forever. We can quench it, but we can also walk according to the Holy Spirit. But it leads us to that, that point where if we walk our lives on this earth according to these truths, getting to know, being diligent to get to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the study of his word, those are the things that are going to lead us to fruitful, fruitfulness in our lives. It's going to lead us to fruitfulness. It's going to lead us to that brotherly love that's going to be effective for showing the world that we're Jesus' disciples. It's going to lead us to all these things. It's all here. These are not my words. These are the realities of this thing. And then it leads us to this point that an entrance shall be ministered unto us abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, just in conclusion, I just, um, yeah, I, I realize, and we all realize that our minds cannot conceive, our eyes have not seen the glory of what that eternity, what that eternal kingdom is going to look like. We don't know what that's going to look like, but we get little glimpses, don't we? And then we have lots of parodies. We have lots of people that, that are trying to communicate what that looks like. How, many of them are someone, their life on earth is over, 
and they're walking up to the, the pearly gates, and there's St. Peter with the clipboard. You know, well, oh, okay, okay, oh, you're in. You, go ahead. We have that. I mean, come on. We laugh at that. But that is so far from the truth of what this is going to be like. We also have this, this picture. I, I've heard people say it, and I, and I used to feel this way too. It's like, yeah, I'm going to get to see my relatives that have gone on before me when I get there. And that is going to be a sweet, sweet blessing to us. But they're all going to be in a crowd, and somehow we're going to have to, oh, yeah, you guys wait. i got to find Jesus. You know what? We are not going to have to find Jesus. I'm going to speak confidently from that. Jesus is going to permeate that place. That's what's going to make it heaven. That's the reality of what we can know from God's word. He's going to permeate that place. And he is going to be every bit omnipresent up there as he is right now. We are not going to have to go hunting for Jesus. He's going to be there welcoming us in. So what does that abundant entrance into the kingdom of Jesus Christ look like? It's going to be based on our faithfulness now. That's what 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 through 11, and if we could keep, you could keep reading, it all builds on that. As we are diligent to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ, we are going to be longing for that day. And maybe it's just, maybe it's just the aging process. You know, I was, well, not in this building, but in the other building, uh, I was like, I think, nine or ten years old when those first services were there. I was just the kid running around here. Well, I'm not nine or ten anymore. <laughs> Anyways, maybe it's just the aging process, but the reality is, is that you begin to experience this and realize those truths that the things of this earth grow strangely dim. That's real. It's not just a cliche phrase that we sing in a song. It's a reality. But that happens as our eyes are focused on what is real as we are diligent to get to know the person of Jesus Christ. And again, it's not, it's not something that we have to work extra hard at doing. It's something that he's revealed himself to us. We just simply need to be diligent. We need to be faithful to his word. We need to be faithful to being with believers and being with those that are going to draw our attention back to him. That's what it's about, not a hard concept. Sometimes it's hard to follow after, follow through with, but that's a reality of who we are and that's a reality of what kind of people we are to be as we're walking here on earth for as long as he leaves us here. Those people that are diligent about getting to know Jesus Christ more and make him known uh, to those around us. So that's my challenge to you. Trust it's an encouragement to you too as we think about these things that, man, this is just our temporary dwelling. Whatever happens, it's not for long. And we can say, even so come Lord Jesus with conviction and mean it not just because we're supposed to. So thank you very much. Let's just uh, close in a word of prayer, and then I'll hand it over to Steve. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that you have incredible things planned out for us. Thank you that we can know enough of the truth of of, uh, your plan for us that we can sit here as your children and we can look forward to the return of Jesus Christ for his church. We're going to get to go. We're going to get to be with you, and we're looking forward to that day. Life circumstances are making us long for that even more right now, but help us to long for it even in the good days when things are going great. Lord, we want that to be part of what defines us as your children. And Lord, we do thank you for your word. We don't have to go about this thing blind as though we have no instructions that you've left for us. And uh, help us to be diligent to get to know you better, to be in your word, Lord. And um, we do thank you for the ministry here, and we do pray for what you have in store for Baker River Bible Church in the days ahead. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.